episode of Cake and Kombucha is sponsored by Dorian G. Skincare and Wellness. back everyone to the 50th episode of cake and kombucha thank you so much for all of you who have listened and sent me funny comments and engage and now i'm going to make a request right at the top of the show that if you have ever thought anything about this show was meritorious of a cackle a chortle that's a word that lewis carroll actually made up chortle twas brillig and the slithy toes did gyre and gimble in the gabe and the mum rap no wait i don't know okay i forgot the poem that he used the word chortle in but it's there anyway it's ever elicited a chortle of any kind please i know you're listening on some sort of podcast app press pause click well press pause after i give these instructions press pause click over and go to Apple Podcasts, where you can rate, review, and subscribe. I mean, I, I hope I don't have to say subscribe, but come on now. You want, to, you want the alerts to come up automatically when the show goes up, don't you? Speaking of when the show goes up, I, I beg, please I beg all for your patience as we figure out a day that we're going to release. We're going to get back on a normal schedule um, I just have to pick what that new day is because it's going to coincide with a new marketing push I'm doing, but please stay tuned for that. We're going to be doing a lot more for this upcoming new year, but starting this week, dropping you little uh, teasers of the episodes, letting you look forward to some topics to anticipate. So you'll be seeing a lot more engagement and we're going to roll out the new Cake and Kombucha Instagram page the landing page. So it's not just going to be this cute little like word of mouth thing. We're going to make it official. And I'm happy to have your feedback of what day you guys would want the show to drop. That would be really helpful to me too. Um, I know people don't always listen to things the day something drops, but there are certain things that I do kind of like guide my week by. For example, This American Life comes on podcast land at 7 p.m. I think it comes on earlier, like if you're listening to the actual radio or something or on the website. But so that NPR podcast, I'll listen to as I go to sleep and I look forward to it on Sundays and things like that. So I know people have their little rituals, but I'm just trying to find the best way to bring this with my schedule, with your schedule. So bear with me, but also let me know what you want. 
Okay, so that bit of housekeeping done. Thank you. We had a little break. Um, and then we have had in the interim like a really interesting news week and a half. Um, so obviously the top thing on everybody's mind right now is impeachment. And yeah, we're living in historic times, guys. If you are a millennial, this is the second impeachment trial you've lived through, which is kind of crazy. I don't know. America's really young, though, so maybe it's, like, not that much of a coincidence because, honestly, you know, how many 30-year periods in American history are there? There are not even that many. We're, we're a young country. But I still think that it's kind of crazy, kind of cool that there is a precedent for this, but there really isn't, and that it's kind of something that's being developed as it goes along. Um, so we're going to get into that, obviously. But first, uh, why don't we just start with the Democratic debate first? So we had our Democratic debate. It was a lot less colorful than other ones. It took place at Tyler Perry Studios. And just a little bit of black excellence. Um, afterwards, Rachel Maddow, who moderated, she talked to Brian Williams, who I'm, I'm confused why he's still on the air because he lied about being in like action in Iraq or something. And just proof that cancellation is, is not, there's no such thing as cancellation. Flagellation, perhaps. Cancellation, no. So he still has a show, which I really didn't think was going to be the case. And he, I mean, I like him as, I like him. Like, I like he's got a smooth news voice. I was just confused. It's, I mean, in some ways it's comforting to know what things that your, your profession and your career can survive. But in other ways, you kind of know that also doesn't apply to you as a black person. So it's irrelevant. Anyway, Rachel Maddow told him that this debate went really smoothly. You could hear everything that was going on. And that was part of a credit to the CNN crew that flew down there, but also to the Tyler Perry studio setup and the excellence of the tech people there. So that's really exciting and really promising for TP studios. And we'll be, you know, we already know awesome things are coming out of there, like Black Panther 2. I mean, not the whole thing, clearly, but parts of it. So that's really exciting, really cool. I think it's awesome that he just right away integrated his studios into the mainstream like that. Um, you know, it's not just going to be used for black movies. It's your one-stop shop for everything. And it's really going to transform Atlanta in a major way. I mean, Atlanta was already like Tyler Perry land. And now it's going to be, it's another hub. It's another, you know, in the industry now, people are considered another national market like uh, LA and New York to a degree that they didn't before. The debates for me were lacking a little bit of color. Uh, Julian Castro was missing, so that was sad. He did not qualify for it, even though he is a really great debater and always brings up some extremely woke shit in a way that's honestly more woke than Kamala and Corey. He's like, hey, no, we don't need extra cops policing this because where I grew up in the hood, like, I don't know if, I don't know if people, people don't like to call the popo where I live. Like, he keeps it. 100. He, he was like, say her name, a Tatiana Jefferson. No one else says those things. No one else mentions the police shootings that are going on in a very, in a specific manner. And I'm not, you know, hating on, I still, I still stand for Queen Elizabeth, but I do think it's important to be able to speak off the cuff with things that happen the day before or something like that, you know, not just stick to whatever your talking points that you had were. So he wasn't there. Um, what's her name? What? What is the... Wow. Why did I forget her name? 
the oh Marianne Williamson. She's no longer qualified, so that was unfortunate because we all need a little levitation meditation, sound therapy. We all need some of that in our lives. So she wasn't there. But instead we have John Steyer, who is a billionaire that quite literally just bought himself enough media shares to qualify. And his presence there is entirely ridiculous. And it's, he, I, I just, I don't, we have to get away from this billionaire thing. Like being a billionaire means you should run for president. Like the connection between having a lot of money and knowing how to govern things is so, it's, it's just, it doesn't exist. The only connection between being a billionaire and being qualified for president is that you need so much money to run a campaign. So when Elizabeth Warren talks about not taking campaign donations from any big donors, it's a really big thing because there's just there's just no reason that the person that's representing the whole country should be so far removed from what the whole country looks like all the time. You know, it's I'm not saying a rich person can't do good things. You know, I hope to be rich one day and I'll still be doing good things. But I'm saying like, you know, when something is a correlation, you look back and you say why. And it, it just doesn't make sense that most of them would be rich. So... That said, John Steyer is up there. I mean, talking about changing, you know, climate change. He said, I'm the only one that's willing to say that climate change is the most dire risk that we face. And so did Bernie Sanders. It's so hard. Oh, my God. It's so hard being black. Like, I know that if the earth doesn't exist, none of our lives will matter. We'll have no lives. There's nothing to fight for anymore. But at the same time, I still think black people live in a world where we are more likely to be shot by the police um, in a low-income neighborhood that has a lot of violence that is clearly connected to poverty um, that has been there, you know, that's been put there on purpose. Um, it, you know, for black women in the hospital giving birth before the world ends, before the polar ice caps melt. So we want to make it to the polar ice caps melting uh, to when the sun stop shining and the earth stops rotating and we're, we're still not going to get there with the rate that we're going so I do think for us the focus is a little bit different but I do think climate change is one of those things that is extremely dire and it's crazy to keep acting like I want to say oh in the future like they'll look back and laugh at how we just kept acting like it didn't matter but no there won't be a future so it is kind of weird why we can't I'll get on board that that is an important thing. Um, so to move on to any other debate highlights, um, don't you worry, I do have something to say about how much I hate Pete Buttigieg. That's not, that's never, you know, obviously I wouldn't leave you without that. Let's see, Joe Biden. He seemed extremely confused and disoriented as always. And um, I was reading more about him this week and I found out that he does have a stutter. And it was an article that was like, Joe Biden has a stutter. If, if you knew that, would you... Um, would it change the way you felt about him? And the answer is yes, but it also doesn't matter. So I have known people with really bad stutters in my life. Um, I, my brother used to have a stutter. He's not an example of a really bad, I wouldn't, I wouldn't class anyone who grew out of their stutter as someone with a really bad stutter because they're adults with debilitating stutters that come up as Tourette syndrome almost. Um, but I do remember when my brother went to speech therapy, learning that part of what was going on with a stutter is your brain 
is moving faster than your mouth. And so that's why a lot of kids, they, they have so many thoughts and they can't get them out. That's why they're like, hey, and mom, and, but, but, hey, but you said, and, and then we, and that, you know, so kids, they're just trying to get all their thoughts out and they're expressing themselves and, you know, their vocabulary is growing and it's, it's just a lot of synapses firing. Um, later on with adulthood, it's a little bit different. And I've known that there's some tactics like thinking about something else, or if you can't get a word out, just changing words, replacing with another word. And so I do think that I, it kind of helped me connect why sometimes he'll be talking and he interrupts himself to, to say something else. But I do think that combined with the fact that I honestly do believe he's a little senile now, his connections, the pathways that he's creating, they make sense, they make sense, uh, less and less of the time. And even if I paused because I was thinking about interrupting myself, <laughs> even if they do make sense, they are just like a subpar way of expressing yourself. And they're roundabout. That's what I would say. They're roundabout. So he gets back to his point, but you're on the edge of your seat waiting for him to get back to his point, And you're not sure if he's going to get there. And your attention span would have already gone and meandered if you weren't invested in this person finishing their sentence because they might be your candidate and they might have to go toe-to-toe -to -toe against Donald Trump. So you're just sitting there, jaws clenched, teeth clenched, wrists clenched. It's very anxiety-provoking. And he's just got so much Botox that he can't move his upper face out of a squint. It's like he's squinting all the time. So some other political analysts have reminded us that he was known to make gaffes. He's always misspoke. He's always misspoke. He's been that guy. And what I have to say to that is that's all great. That's very cute. That's not going to get us where we need to go. It's just not. We got to let this go. Black America, I know we're familiar with him. We got to let him go. I know he used to support Barack Obama. And there is something that none of these white commentators can understand about. You know, they keep saying black voters are familiar with him. They're familiar with him. Don't don't sell us short. We ain't dummies. We marched and died for the right to vote. And we are not like, we're not idiots. It's not that we literally, you know, it's not like when I go to the locals, which I'm not going to lie, when you go to the local elections and you just vote down the line, Democrat, I never heard of this bitch before. She's only Democrat. She wants more plungers for the New York city toilets. Great. Check. Yes, please. It's not like that. It's something what he symbolizes for being able to have played second fiddle to a 30, 40 years younger, 30 years younger black man for eight years and live with a black, you know, not, well, he doesn't live in the white, you know what I mean? Travel with a black family, be intimate with them. That is a type of servitude that it means something. And it doesn't mean that he's doesn't have his own completely inappropriate racial statements, which he does. He's still an old white man, you know, and he grew up in a time where anyone who would cross segregation lines and do anything for black people, you are a hero. And we require more uh, in 2019. We require you to not say things like the inner city kids and the parents, and they don't know what to do. Like we just, we require more than talking about, you know, I was a lifeguard, 1932, brown nips. <laughs> And then what, who was the guy? Cupcake. What was that? What was the uh, gangster? I don't remember. I'm referring to the NSL skit where Woody Harrelson plays him. It's absolutely it's hilarious. 
So, you know, we require more. And as a millennial, I require more. As a younger person, I require more. However, I don't like the condescending way the pundits say they're familiar with him. It's not just familiarity that doesn't encapsulate what his connection with Obama represents. It represents that this is someone that actually might fuck with us for real and might do some shit for us. And honestly, has Kamala Kamala Harris shown that? Not with her record, not not that much. Only with the way that she starts to speak and she starts to move her head around when she's really preaching. You know, the people are getting tired. The people want someone that looks like them. And it's just like, Kamala, Kamala, whatever your name is, just make sure that you use these same neck motions everywhere. Seems a little pandering. So anyway, um, Andrew Yang's debate performance, it's getting a little bit better. He's still stiff on stage, and that's just the way he is. He has great ideas. I hope he's in the cabinet somewhere. I, I used to really want him to be president before I knew about Elizabeth Warren, just merely for the fact of, just merely for the um, the wealth tax, and not the wealth tax, sorry, I'm thinking about Liz, merely for the uh, monthly stipend he wants to give all Americans, because anything that takes Americans out of their it's it's just yeah i'm gonna say white supremacist like white supremacist devotion puritanical devotion to the idea of like working hard no handouts because what it really americans don't want anything that will really change the status quo because i mean it will change the status quo for black and brown people and they might catch up that's really what they want and yes not all white people are rich far from it but those ones not only do they have an aspirational, no, no matter how delusional, connection to the wealth that they see portrayed of people that look like them, it's also not that delusional, right? Because, you know, Princeton University did the research that a white felon can come out of jail and get jobs, be hired faster with his social network. Wow. Connections and network. I'm keeping that. His social connect work than a black man with a college degree and no no record. That is just boop research. So we know that, you know, what the median wealth of black people in America is 11,430. And I think the median wealth of white people was like 100,000. That is just, I mean, so, you know, that's think about how high the median is for white people, even though there's lots of poor and struggling white people and how low it is for black people, even though there's Lots in quotation marks of middle class black people. So those kind of numbers, they start to build a picture of just what extreme changes we're talking about. And if you really go to the root of why people just don't want something that would only make their life easier, you you got to look for the extreme answers because it's kind of an extreme thing to say, no, I don't want free college. No, I don't want free health care. No, I don't want, you know, money just for being an American, even though I think being an American is like the makes me better than everybody else. Then fucking get paid for it. Stop your bitching and take the things that the people are trying to give to you. Take the things. OK, so Elizabeth Warren gave a fantastic performance, as usual, it was very solid, but no one was like coming for her. No one was really sniping at anyone. So you didn't have any moments for anyone to really shine with the one liners, except they play the shit out of Cory Booker, as they always do. They ask questions about being black and then they ignore one of the black candidates and talk to the white people about it. So 
they did they it was a Pete Buttigieg they asked about his record with race he said something absolutely just like meaningless just fluff as usual and that or how to connect with black voters and Pete Buttigieg says I accept the challenge it's not it shouldn't be a challenge it should like I didn't even like the premise that it's like this special side project that you have to do. And then Cory Booker said, well, I would like to talk about how to connect with black voters since I've been a black voter since I was 18. <laughs> and then he also busted up to talk about uh, Joe Biden allegedly someplace that he wanted, did not want to make marijuana legal. And then Cory Booker said, I have so much respect for this man. He swore me into office. I have the most respect for him. And yet I thought he, I thought you were high when you said it. You don't want to make marijuana legal. Um, it was funny. Yeah. So, you know, these characters are good for a laugh. Uh, nothing moved the needle in any direction. Um, Pete Buttigieg is still behind nationally, but for some reason is sweeping Iowa. And I found an article just like five minutes ago that I'm going to quote from that completely summarized why I cannot stand um, Pete Buttigieg. Uh, okay. So it's from an article from Jacobin magazine that's called, have you heard Pete Buttigieg is really smart. Here we go. Mayor Pete seems head and shoulders smarter than the other candidates running around. And in my opinion, that should count for a lot. So this is a quote that someone else made. He was widely and correctly rebuked for sexism. Oh, actually, let me open this article and tell you who said that. Cause that would be important. Okay, so economist boy wonder Alan Cole tweeted, Mayor Pete seems head and shoulders smarter than the other candidates running, and in my opinion, that should come for a lot. He was widely and correctly rebuked for sexism. What about Elizabeth Warren? Asked Katha Pollitt, Jill Filipovich, and many others. The Twitter sphere weighed in with this list of Warren's accomplishments. Yeah, like, the irony that this fool could be considered... And I say, he's like probably not like an idiot, but I say fool in, you know, like the pejorative, like the fool, this fool could be considered smarter. He can be considered smarter than Elizabeth Warren because he went to Harvard when she could have been his teacher there. Like, I, wouldn't we think that the people that had go to teach at that institution have achieved a level of achievement that's higher than the students that they could be teaching? So again, like, why are you playing people like this? Others pointed out that the tweet was possibly racist as well. Julian Castro holds degrees from Harvard, Harvard Law School, and Stanford. Again, because he's brown, nobody asked him. Like, I don't, like, he knows shit about the streets and the popo, and he cares about Black Lives Matter people, but he also went to Harvard twice. Two times and Stanford. And Cory Booker, like Buttigieg, was also a Rhodes Scholar among a pile of other academic achievements. So Cory Booker was feeling himself or just feeling that people like cared about this stuff, which I feel like he should have brought it out a long time ago. But, you know, it's it's one of those things like why should it why should people know that about Pete and not know that about him? So I can see how he maybe didn't know the best way to bring it forward because it's also like kind of irrelevant. But like, are you going to, like, read books a lot when you're in office? Okay, I sound like a Republican now. I'm, I'm being cunty. Obviously, we want an intelligent president. And yes, 
I brag, you know, yes, Obama's intelligence and achievements were definitely something that I touted, but let me be hypocritical because I can, and I don't like one of the people we're talking about. So, um, yeah, so Cory Booker had seen like that it was trending that, Hey, he's also a mayor and a Rhodes scholar. And so then he was like, and now I like my other candidate on the stage was also a mayor Rhodes scholar. And Pete's like, Oh, Pete probably didn't even fucking know. That's the thing. Maybe I don't dislike Pete as much as I dislike his hairline and what he represents. He's got a really full hairline. If it was a wig, you'd need to like pluck, pluck it and thin it out to make it look real. It's just, it just looks unnatural. It's not his fault. Um, but it's that your campaign is run on you being some sort of exceptional white man and you're not, but you still let everybody run with it. And I don't know how elitist I sound not finding someone from Harvard who speaks a bunch of languages elitist, but I, what can I do? You come to me for my opinion on here and my worldview and my worldview is that it's not that special. Lots of people graduate from Harvard every year. I went to Princeton. I know a lot of people that went to Harvard. My little brother went there. Like there's just thousands and thousands of people that come out and it doesn't mean you should be president. It's more like an American tradition, another American tradition that needs to be questioned of how the Ivy League schools are so connected to the presidency. And it's obviously because of power. And even as a black person, you are more likely to rub shoulders with some people that have some really old um, Mayflower lineage. Like you're just better connected when you go to these places. So that's the connection. It doesn't, I don't think these people are like actually smarter. Like Obama is a brilliant man, but it's a case by case basis, you know, hello, like, hello, how much have I covered that people buy these slots? Like it is a case by case basis. I know some dummies that I went to school with. So there's that. So he lets everyone use these qualities that almost everybody else around him has and more, except for him, we're supposed to kiss his butt for it. And I don't like it. And it, it just diminishes the other people. It just is such a stark reminder of how the same achievements just don't matter if you're a black person. And it's so funny how, you know, lots of white people on the left and the right are so obsessed with affirmative action. But being white is the original affirmative action. And you can quote me on that. You can quote me on that wherever you want. You have a leg up from being white. That is affirmative action. It is affirmative action that you do the same shit that we do and it's considered really special. That's that's affirmative action. So I don't like it. And I think that Pete just kind of represents this kind of insidious liberal racism to me that I'm, I'm highly suspicious of the people that have looked at all the different candidates and decided that he was outstanding in some way. Like, if you want to say you just like him, you like the way he talks, he talks folksy or whatever the fuck, even though he like grew up middle class there in Indiana and again tries to make it sound like he like grew up in a coal mine or something you could just say you like him I'm more comfortable with that with trying to tout some sort of excellence that he has that other people don't have it's very frustrating to me it's personally it is personal to me it's personally frustrating to me and when I say that he reminds me of a smarmy kid in my class that would have like plagiarized for me and yelled over me and repeated stuff I said and then got credit for it, which has happened. He does. He just reminds me of this really ambitious person that always knew that they were going to be president. And I don't, 
I'm suspicious of the public service part. Like he even said on the radio that he went into the army because he saw that, you know, presidents of the past all served in the army. And it was like the thing to do to really show your public service, put your money where your mouth is. Because someone said, he told someone he was running for office. And then I think an advisor, a mentor he had said, well, those West Point kids are going to look better than you. You know, you're talking about service. They're actually, they went to a whole school that's about service. So he's like, oh, I got to join the army. That's not, I just don't fucks with that. And that's all we're going to say about him for now. Um, so we will use an important point that Liz Warren brought up in the debate to transition to our conversation about impeachment. Elizabeth Warren, she challenged the other candidates to not let people buy ambassadorships. Now, it would sound like that's a joke, right? Like, I didn't think that it was actually allowed for people to buy ambassadorships, but it is. That's what people do. They buy them. Um, and that's how Gordon Sondland got into office and became the ambassador to the European Union. He donated $1 million at Trump's inauguration. So it should be noted that no one like took her up on her challenge and said, yeah, yeah, I, I won't either. And yeah, I had no, I, I consider an ambassadorship as like somewhat important. I just, it never occurred to me that they would take people that had no, no hint of policy experience. Uh, Sondland being a hotelier from, from Florida and just give them something as important as the EU. So it, it shows you what Trump thinks of the European Union, but we know he wants, you know, chaos worldwide and wants NATO taken apart and everything. And so we'll get into the EU. Well, sorry, we'll get into impeachment after a quick break. Do you dream of traveling the world to take Instagram pictures at overpopulated tourist destinations? Are you scared that the lazy foreigners won't know English? Look no further than Go Get a Stone. Our award-winning program can help you learn all of the languages in the world in under one day. Just listen to our testimonial. I never thought I'd be able to master another language, but Go Get a Stone has changed my life. I had the typical American language arts education that everyone has. Every other day, a woman in a funny hat would come into my classroom for French or Spanish lessons, Madame McMillan or Senora Kayakowski, and teach us how to say things like El Leprechano or pierogi. I watched one Go Get a Stone video before my vacation to China, and I was totally fluent. Thanks, Go Get a Stone! That's right, folks, you heard her correctly. So how exactly does Go Get a Stone work? Well, we could tell you that we can teach you the core secret to understanding all languages because all of mankind spoke the same language before the Tower of Babel fell. But there's a war on Christmas, so we can't. Instead, we'll tell you our simple theory for analyzing all languages. When you're walking around and you listen to people that are speaking different languages, have you noticed something? They all sound the same, right? Well, that's what our scientists at the Go Get a Stone Lab realized as well. Basically, if you learn five registers of guttural sounds matched with our different hand motions for each expression, you will become fluent in any language. They really all just sound like this. 
That's it. You're fluent. You'll learn how to modify your hand movements for countries where people are a little bit more conservative, like Japan, or where people are extra brolic, like Italy or Nigeria. Go ham. Hit people with your arms. Gesticulate all you want. That's really it. It all starts with five simple sounds. That's it. Rotate them in any order and make sure you waggle your eyebrows a lot. And you're speaking. Do you wish you understood fancy French foreign films? So do we. But now, with Go Get a Stone, you can be a French foreign film. Simply put on a beret, some red lipstick, a striped shirt with vertical black and white lines, and hold a cigarette in your mouth. Then run outside with mascara streaming down your face, crying. Everyone will think, why is this French woman crying? And why is she dressed like a mime? The beauty of Go Get a Stone. Authenticity. Go Get a Stone. Because it doesn't matter what you're saying as long as you look like you belong. Don't be a fool. Go get your go get a stone today. Or, as they say in Greece, Go get a stone is sponsored by the American Speak American Coalition. God bless America and no place else. So as I'm sure you already know, this week marked week two of the live impeachment testimonies, hearings, rather they're called, um, for this very interesting time in American history. One of the most viral testimonies uh, and the most famous witnesses to emerge turned out to be Marie Ivanovich, which I feel like that's not entirely surprising because what happened to her was so egregious. Uh, Marie Ivanovich was ambassador to Ukraine. She has served in the position as an ambassador for 30 years. Uh, I don't believe 30 years were the full ambassadorship, but she has served the, the United States government for 30 years. She is absolutely decorated, um, award-winning, unimpeachable character, just to keep bringing in that great word. And that is a theme that you will see continue with the people that Trump has gone after in this. It's very interesting because, first of all, the people testifying are statespeople, statesmen and women, meaning they serve the government regardless of whether a Democrat or Republican is in office. They are supposed to be impartial. God bless them. I could never, um, just can't, can't do that, but that's their job. And that's what they have done. You work, uh, on the behalf of the president serving the best interests of the president. It doesn't matter what you personally believe, you know, because you're, you've served there 30 years. She's seen many different types of presidents come and go. So this is a woman who, if you don't remember, it was revealed over the summer that she was ousted from her job for basically, it's not that she had been asked to do anything untoward yet. She was basically, Trump knew that he, she wasn't a minion. I mean, he's, she's not someone that he appointed and he needed his own people there to, you know, execute his corrupt orders. So she's going through her testimony and, and recalling the, the July phone call in which she found out um, and got to hear the transcript of what Trump said about her. And she said that one of her colleagues was there with her and told her that as she was reading it, the color drained from her face. Um, the, she, that's when she found out that the president was making disparaging remarks around her. Now, remember, imagine... 
if you've ever got fired or ever been unemployed or if anything, uh, what's the word I was going to say? Sketchy has ever happened to you. I'm sure it's happened to most of us at least once. Just that feeling of when you're doing your best in earnest and you've been stabbed in the back, it's a horrible feeling. Now imagine it's the president of the United States and you work in delicate matters in a area of the world that's not exactly safe. In fact, I think the day that she had to leave the country, leave Ukraine and come back to America because she was told you need to get on the next plane out. It's not really safe for you there. She was on a panel uh, with a woman who was later had acid thrown in her face and died a slow death or recognizing this woman rather. So the specter of danger is there for you. So now you're finding out that your president who's supposed to have your back is trying to make, you know, some sort of sketchy under the table negotiations with the Ukrainian government and whatever actors in there are not doing, you know, what the right thing would be, or I guess the right thing for them, depending on what they need at that moment. And that he doesn't like you. So suddenly you're a target. Suddenly you got a target on your back. Um, his exact words were, she's a bad woman. She's bad news. Um, and some, what did he say? Some, he was threatening. He said something like, something's going to happen to her. Let me find exactly what he said. Oh, yeah. He called her bad news and said she's going to go through some things. I mean, that is really creepy and almost creepier in its vagueness. Um, asked When she was asked what her reaction was, Ms. Yovanovitch said she was shocked and appalled and devastated that the president would talk about any ambassador like that to a foreign head of state, and it was me. I mean, I couldn't believe it. They asked her, what does going through something sound like? And she said it sounded like a threat. I mean, these people are being measured and careful. It's not like they got me up there like, and this bitch! And then he said, like, no. They're like, well... It sounded like a threat. I would have been so fucking lawyered up. I'd be like, well, the language that he used, um, it caused me pain and suffering. <laughs> like, I would have been so ready to, like, explain to you the conclusion, as I am, as I do. But she was just like, it sounded like a threat. Um, let's see. Oh, yeah. So, the most important part of this, which was history in the making, as... She is doing this testimony about how she felt threatened. The president gets on Twitter in real time to make threatening remarks about her. He says, everywhere Marie Ivanovich went turned bad. She started off in Somalia. How did that go? I mean, how did, how did that go? It's Somalia. Like, I think it's been having issues for a while before I was born. Um, she started off in Somalia. How did that go? Then fast forward to Ukraine, where the new Ukrainian president spoke unfavorably about her in my second phone call with him. It's the U.S. president's absolute right to appoint ambassadors. I mean, where do we go? Let's break down the tweet first before we talk about the fact that it happened. It's just so, like, if it was, it's just so fascinating that we are at, like, the highest level of things that can go wrong. We are dealing with a man who, if he wasn't in this office that he is right now, would be arrested already and in jail. So we are superseding the law in so many ways. And I feel like we're superseding all kinds of employment laws. I mean, in what circumstance do you get dismissed from a position and your boss gets on Twitter to talk badly about you? And for, for what giant multi-billion dollar organization would that ever happen? In the White House, that's where. So... Um, Mr. Adam Schiff, intelligent as he is, he 
paused the hearing and he has that oh he's he's a look he's a bitch in the best way he's bitchy okay adam chef is a little bit cunty i'm here for it he has that flair for the theatric i would not be so surprised if he was on pete Buttigieg's team and he said uh uh ambassador ivanovich uh sorry i need to interrupt right now because the president is actually talking about you on twitter right now um what do you have to say so it was great for the news cycle because with reason we got to say our side got to say hey now he's intimidating a witness so we're just going to add this onto the charges i feel like Donald Trump is like in the corner and it's like when you're already in trouble, you're on the naughty bench. It's like, okay, stay there for five more minutes. Are you want to, you want to keep, keep going, keep going, keep going. Okay. You want to try me? All right. 10. All right. 10 more minutes. Okay. Okay. 10 more minutes. Like it doesn't have to stop. It doesn't have to stop. I feel like he should keep, keep acting the way he's at, keep acting. And then we should just keep throwing, throwing charges at him until something sticks. I mean, judiciously, because you know, people that are all the way up his anal canal, like they don't care about what he does wrong anyway. But I feel like he's showing his ass and we should just continue to be like, okay, that's a crime too. Keep it up. Um, let's see. Uh, what else do we need to cover from her testimony? Um, oh yeah. She's, she said, she just said like, it's very intimidating. And then she said, I can't speak to what the president is trying to do, but the effect is to be intimidating. So whoever, whatever lawyers coach them were so careful. I guess it, it maybe it speaks to them not sounding like they were choosing a side. But I mean, after you get fired and your boss is talking shit about you publicly, I feel like you can pick a side. So that was, uh, that was the, like the parts of the day that jumped out the most, um, Devin Nunes, who's just a rabid, mouth-foaming Republican from California, who's really shown his ass this entire week. Um, this day, the Republicans were behaving themselves. They didn't try. They very carefully, they're very careful about trying to diminish anyone's qualifications and really come at them. But they, they he tried to characterize it as an employment disagreement and said she was not a material fact witness to any of the allegations being hurled at the president. Um... And she's not in that sense, but like she's literally a pawn that got removed because of a disagreement with Zelensky. I mean, it's obvious that she's related. So the Republicans just tried to get us to not believe the sky is blue that day. And um, oh, also uh, Trump's friend Roger Stone is going to jail. So just another person around him. He got sentenced um, that day, that same day. So this is just another person around Trump. And as one of his cohorts that's going to jail, which obviously he should too. Um, another important thing Ms. Yovanovitch said to wrap up on her is that she said that Giuliani kept spreading baseless allegations and she called them part of a campaign of disinformation that was orchestrated with Ukrainians because she was a powerful advocate of fighting corruption. And these are the claims that, you know, Hunter Biden is that well people well the republicans are now trying to say that it was ukraine that was involved in election meddling even though like russia has essentially like said hey hey it was me so their whole thing that they've been saying this week well isn't it possible that more than one country could have been meddling with elections and i'm like isn't it possible that dr seuss like secretly founded like hip-hop yeah but that's not that's neither here nor there so um, she, Mr. Ivanovich also 
added. And I thought that was interesting the way people use their time and use their statements to the greatest effect because she's like, okay, I'm going to be very careful about what I can and can't say. But she says, if our cheap representative is kneecapped, it limits our effectiveness to safeguard the vital national security interests of the United States. So she then went in to say that this is far, far more, uh, this is about far, far more than me or a couple of individuals as foreign service professionals are being denigrated and undermined, the institution is also being degraded. And I think she didn't come up with this herself, but in the questioning of one of the Democrats, they said, you know, they, they said, would you suppose that if the world finds out that we are engaging this kind of, um, you know, bargaining, might that show other countries that they can also, you know, elicit weapons, things like that from the United States in exchange for you know, falsehoods and things like that. And so, yes, the general point was, which I think was great because with her position, that is something that she's in the position to say. If this, then this. If you keep showing your ass, it make, lets the whole country know that, like, hey, America is now, we've always been corrupt, right? But we had more rule of law than other countries, sure. And so it's letting, it's letting them know that, you know, our our resources, our information, our partnership, our allyship is for sale, basically, for the whims of a despotic leader, which, you know, despots were, were not our thing. Although, if you really think about it, no president has been elected legally since 1965, because how is someone elected legally if part of your population is blocked from voting? But, you know, those are technicalities. Okay, so moving on, I'm not going to cover every single um, person, but then we had Vinman. Um, so Vinman is a lieutenant colonel, and he was a decorated combat veteran working in the Trump administration, and he was there for the phone call, and he said that he found the phone call to be inappropriate. So he echoes directly what the whistleblower said, and... He, they just decided, I guess, that he wasn't, um, I don't know, like maybe he's a little younger than some of the other people, has less experience. So they decided, no, we're going to take him down. So the same people that cry and cry about the flag and kneeling for the anthem and disrespect totally came for this guy who's serving. Um, we have really conservative um, ex-military men like Robert J. O'Neill is a Navy SEAL who claims to have killed Osama bin Laden. Um, he says, uh, when an invitation calls for business attire, the appropriate army uniform is the service or dress uniform. So they were just coming for him for technicalities like that. And he's, I wish he wouldn't have used his uniform to make him a saint. He's an operative with an agenda. So this guy, they threw away to be an, an operative. And I found something really sad and compelling about his statement and Ivanovich's is that some of the people, it makes sense, who are in these positions, you know, they speak the language and some of these languages they speak because they were immigrants. And so both Vinman and Ivanovich's, Ivanovich's parents fled Russia and, and, you know, pogroms. They were Jews that fled the Nazis and everything. And then Vinman, I don't believe is Jewish, but flood the general corruption in the Soviet Union. So I really felt for these people who like their parents brought them to a whole nother country. And I, I, I do see a trend with, I know 
they're not the only immigrants I know that came from another war-torn place and another place with a lot of bad things going on and came here and joined the army and just wanted to serve the country that they saw as their sanctuary that they had put on a pedestal, the, the, the country that took them in. And, you know, sadly, people at the border next door that, you know, are part of a country that used to be this country aren't having that luxury right now. But they see America as someplace that saved them. They want to serve. They want to give back. And they just think that you work for 30 years and then you suddenly are kind of faced with a certain kind of corruption and double dealings that is just like the country you left behind. So Vinman had a very touching testimony where he got up there and he's called, he read to his father, he addressed his father and said, and dad, you don't have to be worried that I'm, that I'm up here saying this because in America, right matters. I thought that was very powerful that his father who escaped the Soviet Union is like, Hey dude, you can't, you can't go talk against the big boss. You can't do that. And he's saying, yes, I can. I'm protected. So I do think these people, the best thing they could do for their protection was to speak out because now everyone's watching them. The people who aren't speaking out, Devin Nunes, that horrible Republican harpy woman, what is her name? Who's now the new star from New York. Um, I don't know what Trump has on them. I, before we get into Sondland, I just want to say that I've been thinking a lot about what makes people stick to him so hard. And so the Republicans are stuck with him. It's like, it's their constituents, blah, blah, blah. But part of me was like, I don't, yeah, Trump, you know, the, their constituents love Trump, but they don't really, they're not really dying to serve the constituents. So I was like, that can't be it. Like, I don't, I don't get a sincere sense of service for them. Self-service, yes. Um, serving the people, no. So is the fear really that you won't be able to be in office and your constituents really need you? Or is it that this is your career? And it's, and it's something that you've worked towards a long time. And if you don't go with the flow, then you're going to kind of be starting from the bottom somewhere. And so I was like, that might be it. But even that I don't find compelling. And I was reminded today of another immigrant that came here. And I mean, he didn't, you know, he came from a perfectly lovely <laughs> environment in Nigeria and moved here. Like he wasn't, it's not like he came from a war or anything. Although he lived through a war, my father lived through the Biafran war, but he came here for college. And then when I was a kid, I remember, so he's in his forties then, or maybe even late thirties. Wow. I can't even, damn, that's weird to think about. So I remember when my dad lost his job because there was a corrupt Buffalo City politician that was pressuring him to hire his cronies and do all these illegal things in the background. So the, the community health services center that my dad had helped build from the ground up, he had to leave. And so he was pushed out of this thing that he loved and helping people hands-on and more directly than he later did at Blue Cross Blue Shield. And it was, I remember like getting sat down and given and us them explaining to us what's going on, my parents. And that was the first time I really had a real life like boogeyman to think about. Like this is a bad person I know. And I knew who this person was. And he was like one of those fucking, you know, black politicians that's corrupt, but cheesy and shows up all the events. And it's like, patting us kids on the head at like a Kwanzaa festival downtown, my choir is singing at and things like that. Like he was in the mix. So I knew who this person was. I knew who their wife was. And I just had to like hate them inside while I knew what they did to my dad. But my father, like he did the right thing. He did what he had to do. 
because he had morals and he didn't put himself and his position and his need to have his career continuing forward. He even risked uncertainty. I mean, fortunately, my mom, you know, was employed, but he had four kids, maybe three at the time. No, nah, no, nah, I think my little brother was born. And so that is my like example in my head of, no, you just do the right thing because you do it. And so I realized that, that I have tangible examples of certain things, which is why I get fixated on, no, but how could you do this? But like, why would you do this? But how? But why? But how? Like, this is not the right thing to do. And so the conclusion I came to is that they must be like that episode of Black Mirror from season one, where the kid's computer is taken over and he's given all these instructions around and do this crazy shit. Uh, TLDR, they must be pedophiles. That's what I've decided about the Republicans. I was trying to think what's the worst thing that this guy has on you that you just have to do whatever nonsense he says that you can't get released to the public. I would have to say you murdered someone or you're a child pornographer. Like, I don't get what you, what does this guy have on you? What does Trump have on these people to get them to just do whatever he wants and not even, not even like, in a subtle way, to say it with your chest. That's what I'm talking about. It is the, but you know what? Evil is always aggressive, right? It's always when someone's lying that they're coming out and screaming at you, right? When they, when you, when you know you're telling the truth, you don't have to get all like sweaty. I'm telling you, watching this thing on my HD television, evil ruins your skin. I'm gonna say it right now, and I'm not even being petty. I might be being superficial, but I'm 100% serious. The difference between the Republican skin and the Democratic skin was clear. Okay, especially when you get to people, what is that woman's name? Let me look it up. Elise Stefanik. She looks like someone ran her over with like a stick of butter and left her outside to dry. It was like, hey, you're going to be on TV. Make sure you don't do anything at all. And I... I'm starting to get good at guessing the age of, of people that are lying through their teeth. I looked at her. I was like, you look like a hot mess. You look like 45. You must be 35-ish. And I was correct. I was exactly correct. I literally just added 10. I think I might have added 15. Before I continue any further, I um, let me make what I... Uh, an announcement. I, I wasn't, be. I'm not and shading then, anyone in their forties. Like, this is not ageist. Like, just like saying things. generally when you look a lot older than you were supposed you're to, the youngest you, that happens to meth addicts and over there. it happens to people 35. who are dehydrated. I'm not at all suggesting that there's anything unbeautiful about older women. I just mean that she looks like she's been through a lot. And I think the thing that she's been through a lot is evil doing. Nancy Pelosi, for example, slays every day. She slays every day, all day up there, and she's 79. So really the correlation is more looking disheveled, looking disorganized, looking a mess because you've been up all night lying and being threatened by the president. Anyway, Elise Stefanik is like a rabid dog attacking everyone against Trump. She was basically frothing at the mouth. It was bizarre. Um, her questions are really fast and rapid fire and meant to sound really important. Excuse me, Senator. So I just want to, I just want to put forth that in four days of questioning, two things have been established. There was no deal with Ukraine and the aid money was given. I am still trying to understand how grown adults are on the television suggesting to us that if you do something wrong and you 
are intercepted, it's okay. I've just never thought I would live to see a bunch of people repeat something that's so stupid as if it made sense. Like, these are people in the government. Even if they are Republicans, like, I used to think Republicans had a different values than I did. Not that they were a different, like, species of human being. You must not have, like, an amygdala or whatever. We don't have the same fucking lobes because I'm very confused. You're telling me that your best defense of this thing is that it didn't happen because the bitch got caught by the whistleblower, but you don't believe the whistleblower, but the whistleblower is the thing that intercepted. So like, what the, like what? I just, so if you if you try to run someone, if you run someone over with your car and they don't die, they're just a paraplegic. You're, you're, you don't, you can't be tried or at least sued in civil court for attempted murder. I'm lost. I'm lost and confused. So yeah, so that was the Republican arguments of the whole week is that no deal actually happened, which, duh, it got intercepted. It, it didn't work. Uh, the aid was given, which, duh, because it got intercepted. It, his machinations didn't work. And that, and then they would just keep asking questions about Burisma, which I can't spell, don't ask me, the company that Hunter Biden worked for. That I still find hilarious. You... Of all the white men in history to get a job because they were related to someone and get a job they weren't really qualified for, it's not okay when Hunter does it. This, this one man, sorry to this man. I'm sorry your whiteness is not working for you the way it's supposed to, Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. That's not fair. Because I know that the rest of your peers also have some fluffed up positions that they don't deserve. Like, I don't know, ambassadorships, being Congress people, being senators, all of those things. So anyway, um... To quickly jump to the testimony you've probably heard about already, Gordon Sondland, he is a, as we've already discussed, wealthy hotelier. He paid a million dollars to get his ambassadorship. Um, and he sang like a bird. He squealed. He, whatever you want to call it. People were putting out the Takashi 6 9 memes, putting out pictures of him with his face all over it. He's a mess. He apparently, you know, the, the, the lawyer for the counsel for the Democrats was like, did you send this, this text that Donald Trump, you know, president to Donald Trump, president Zelensky loves your ass. And he's like, yeah, that's how the president and I talk. It's, it's a lot of four letter words. In this case, three letter words. Like he's a joke. He's a joke, but his lawyers gave him the one, two, one, two. They were training like a training montage in Creed, like J-Lo and Enough. Like, he would not answer anything. Literally, if something was a yes or no question, I don't think he said yes or no to anything the whole time. He was just like... And he wasn't playing ball with either side because they used their metaphors, you know, with the whole... Because their thing they tried to catch him on, the Republicans tried to catch him on the fact that... So, first of all, let me say that this... At the time, the testimony was was viewed as bombshell in the morning because he said absolutely there was quid pro quo. There was a quid pro quo for the announcement of an investigation, not an actual investigation, he specified. The announcement of an investigation for a meeting at the White House, a call at the White House. He said, for the money, I can't say... You know, I wasn't told about that one, but I inferred when I, you know, couldn't figure out why the money was being held up, that it was related to the same thing. And so, you know, all the other things that happened around him that led to that same conclusion. So 
the Republicans are like, you're just inferring things, your feelings, it's just your feelings, it's just how you feel, me, me, me. And then Democrats would be like, so if someone came in wearing a rain slicker's rain boots with water coming off them and holding a wet umbrella, would you feel like you could assume it's raining? And Sondland wouldn't say yes. He'd be like, <laughs> I see your metaphor. So amongst the other ridiculous things Sondland did was keep, I mean, referring to ASAP Rocky. ASAP Rocky must have been mentioned like 15 times, which is just, again, if that's not a sign of the end days that we're sitting here talking about phone calls about ASAP Rocky with the Kardashians in an impeachment hearing, where are, where are we? Who can I run to? Who can I run to? Like, it's a mess. So, yeah, he was just entertaining. It was good. It was good fun all day. He pissed off both sides. He very wily in his answers. He won't say anything straight. You can't just get him to repeat something he said two minutes ago. He was like, I am taking everyone down with me. I really like Donald Trump. But what I like more than Donald Trump is not going to jail. So, yep, I'm totally on Donald Trump's side. But here I am. I've been subpoenaed. And yes, I will tell you everything I know. So he was like, there was no back channels. There was no secret back channels. Um, because that's a thing the, Demo the Republicans have been trying to push. This was just some random back channel of foreign policy. And even the president, the day of his hearing says, I don't, uh, he's not someone I know very well. But they established that he's talked to the Trump on the phone at least 20 times. I'm sure these bitches were like buying hookers together. Like, I don't know. Although Sondland, I feel like, might buy male hookers. But it's just... Trump is doing that thing he does. Everyone that goes to jail, he no longer knows who they are anymore. And Melania would go to jail tomorrow and be like, I've touched her breast once. Like, it's just... Ugh. I just realized that Melania has a child with him. And I wonder if that child was made in a Petri dish or she actually... There's some amounts of money that just don't pay for having someone that looks like a Dorito huffing and puffing over you. I don't... Like, sure, go digger sugar babies, go get yours, but at the end of the day, how are you going to enjoy that money if it involves... Ugh. Okay, anyway, tangent. So that's basically it. That's where we are after the hearings. There was another strong testimony from Fiona Hill, who got up there and said, I really want to disabuse all you assholes of the idea that there's someone else other than Russia interfering with our elections. Like, I really need y'all to stop saying that. It makes no fucking sense. And I'm paraphrasing. Um, so people just really, like, not one person said anything in the Republicans' favor. And it's really, they're just going back to the same things. It didn't happen. If it did happen, it's not that big of a deal. If it did happen, it's not impeachable. So we'll see what happens next week. But it's been, it's been, it was a very interesting week and also disappointing because after a point, you just realize that 500 people could get up there and say what happened, but it doesn't matter because at the end, the Senate has to vote on it. Americans who vote for Trump are so misinformed and devoid, you know, of facts and knowledge that, you know, they get whatever they get through him. He was on Fox and Friends talking about, I don't know why they were so nice to Yovanovitch. They said, sir, because she's a woman. I mean, how rude. It just really is not going to stop. So I've heard some pundits say that the best we can hope for is that he's in a weakened enough position that another Republican runs or for president or he just doesn't get the vote and like people are mobilized to come out and vote against him. We shall see. 
Dorian G Skin Care and Wellness is Washington, D.C.'s premier cosmetic dermatology office. We cater to the needs of busy, tired lawmakers. We understand that when orangutan Satan takes your life and career in his hands, you're really under the gun. Sitting in dry, overly air-conditioned rooms, screaming into mics, lying to the American public, and bribing small countries emphasizes frown lines and neck waddle. When you don't have time to reset your moral compass, come to our offices for quick, state-of-the-art tune-ups trademarked by award-winning Dr. Dorian Gray, like Holy Water Cold Plunge Pool, Restorative Justice Facial Injections, Saying the Rosary, that's all. Just repent and welcome Jesus back into your life. Dr. Dorian Gray understands that being a Republican takes years off your life but adds eons to your face. Let him help. Also ask Mother Mary for help too. want to go over the Colin Kaepernick debacle. It's ironic that I'm having to cover this now because when Jay-Z made that whole deal with the NFL, I didn't talk about it because I didn't understand it or really care to understand more about it. Um, but now to give myself some credit, it's also kind of weird. That might have been why I didn't understand it. Like at first... At first glance, I it was one of those things where I was like, I don't get it right away and I don't care about looking up more. But Jay-Z, I do know that he's interested in being an NFL owner one day and now he has a partnership with the NFL in which he'll be choosing the talent for the Super Bowl halftime show. So he's entwined with the NFL monetarily. Let's just say that. Cut to last week or this past week, um, Colin Kaepernick agreed to do a workout with the NFL. Now, from my understanding, a workout is like an audition. So already, I was like, mm, if I were Colin Kaepernick, I would be offer only. Offer only is when you get to a point in your career where you don't have to audition for things or read them. Someone's just like, I called Julie Roberts to see if she was interested. And then she might get together and read with the director and like, you know, get talk about it. And really, she might get together so she could say, her people are like, yeah, she doesn't think this character is a blonde. She wants to be blue-haired for this role, and she sees her like this. I mean, you get to a certain point where you, yeah, they're just asking you to do stuff. So already for Colin Kaepernick, I'm like, if I was in the NFL before, shouldn't you just assume that I, I don't know. It's like, I guess football's not like acting. Like, I forget how to do it in three years. Like, I know you have to train, but you have to train for the arts too. What I'm saying is, I'm a bitch, and I'd be like, no, I'm not trying out for you. That's what I'm saying. Anyway, I'm going to take these good millions of followers that I have and, and suss out some other kind of deals where I can support myself very well. But anyway, he agreed to do a workout, and basically, from what I understand, and what I understand is from reading a very meticulous like breakdown, I hope I can transmit it well enough to you, the negotiations between the two sides fell apart. Um, there were some very interesting things that he 
wanted that I think make a lot of sense when you look into them. So there's general waivers that you sign and his team wanted to change the language of some of the waivers, but this negotiations kept going right up until the time the workout was supposed to be. For example, Kaepernick wanted to bring his own cameraman. They said no. Okay, so then he wanted open media access. They said no right before. And the reason he wants this makes sense, right? He doesn't want them to edit out him missing a pass or make him look worse and then release it to everybody and everyone can be like, well, he didn't deserve that anyway because, you know, 7,000 comments under, like, USA Today or Yahoo and stuff like that, always involving going back to Africa, even if nobody asked to go back to Africa, that'll fix the NFL. But they're just, you know, he wasn't that good anyway. He didn't deserve this. He didn't deserve that. It's like he didn't deserve stuff and he's an uppity, uppity privileged, half-white person. It's funny, like, white people are invoking half-whiteness now in an interesting way. So it's like you, you acknowledge white privilege or do you not? Because are you saying that he doesn't have anything to complain about if he's not fully black? In that case, are you saying that there is some privilege associated with whiteness? I'm confused. Which racist point are you making that also supports something that I would say? I'm confused. Anyway, yeah, I've, I've seen that said a lot. Oh, my friend from high school, Jamila, had this, she posted, I'm with Cap or something, and this crazy mouth-foaming, like, I don't know where she works. I, need, I meant to ask her, but this dude that she said was her colleague was on there talk, calling us all coons and this and that. He told me to suck his big white dick or something. I was like, boo-boo, like, blessings. Like, you are just, you're just tacky and wrong. Like, Uncle Daddy, sit down. <laughs> like, say goodnight to your cousin's sisters. You need a break. You need a timeout. He was just going off at everybody, and he he's the one who's... But he's not the only one I've, I've seen say this, said, oh, Colin Kaepernick is, you know, privileged, that big nose, white, he's a big nose, white man. I'm like, okay, let's follow this line of reasoning down and see where it takes us, shall we? Anyway, um, so there was a communication breakdown. Neither side had any trust for each other, which is like, yeah, obvious. And then it ended up that he switched the location to the workout right before it happened to some venue 60 miles away that was a high school called Charles Drew High School. Charles Drew, without looking at my African-American history brain quest, is the doctor that invented the blood transfusion? Yes. I know it's not like the heart transplant because that was that movie with most deaf and Dr. Drew is one of those beige African-American history month peoples. I can see him on a poster right now. I believe it was a blood transfusion. Not even gonna Google it. Let's see if my brain quest stayed with me. You can tell me if I'm wrong. But anyway, the black man that invented the blood first blood transfusion, and I, I wonder if that school in itself was an act of militants, or are there just he's his network is you know being more connected to black schools. It said he reached out to his fraternity and stuff to find out a new location and made it happen really quick. Um, or there's just so many schools made out, named after black people in Atlanta. I don't know. Maybe it's a conflagration of the three. Who knows? But it didn't work out. And out of the 25 teams, 25 out of 32 NFL teams were supposed to show up, then only eight showed up. So a really interesting perspective that I got, not even a perspective, just a, just like apparently intel, is that Colin Kaepernick was even suspicious of why they wanted to see a workout from him now anyway. It's like 
sadly, in the NFL, they just use your bodies up and bumping your brain against shit. Like, they know that you don't have a long lifespan for this kind of strenuous stuff. So at 32, he's almost, you know, retirement age. And so he was wondering, why do they want to do this with me now instead of two years ago? And, like, what's Jay-Z's relationship to that? Et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so that's the take. And as you know, I'm going to bring you like a fun media hot take that I found more entertaining than the actual story in itself. So there's this white savior that I've been, uh, introduced to. And I say that sarcastically, but also like he actually did kind of step in and do something that's needed, but he's still, you know, I'm not going to give it all to him because there's reasons that, you know, he's able to do that. Okay, so Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman are on first take on ESPN. Now, you know I don't watch this show. However, I I do know who... Oh, my God, he's married to Erin Manning. Wait, is Erin Manning who I think she is? Is she that person that was a swimmer? I have no idea who that is. She's Canadian. Never mind. Okay, so... Um, first take is something that you know I don't watch, but I do know things that are related to sports, and I'm familiar with that show from just the clips of it, and every once in a while I accidentally land on ESPN. So Stephen A. Smith, commentator, known for cooning in the past, like, I just know that this is a thing about him, but his remarks about Colin Kaepernick were just like, coon, 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 Kung Kung. Like, he started talking, and all I heard was, Kung Kung Kung, Kung Kung Kung, Kung Kung He's like, you show up on the field, you have a shirt that says Kun to Kente, you did this, you blah, 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 you do this, you do that, and, you know, then you say you want a job, but you do, 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 do. It was just all that kowtowing, bowing down. Here's the thing. I don't have to do anything I don't want to do. I can set up a job interview with you and blow it up. I can come in and poop on the table if I want to. That might be illegal. My point is that stop telling black people they should be grateful for anything ever, ever, ever. What Colin Kaepernick could have decided that he wanted to be back in the NFL until like two minutes after the workout started. And if that's the case and he decided to just explode and throw some dynamite on the thing, that's his prerogative. But I don't want to hear any black person getting on television and telling another black person how they have to be grateful for this, they have to do this, they have to do that. Certainly not one who's the fucking, became the face of the Black Lives Matter movement and is an activist. I don't mean that in any offense to the women in the movement, but I mean what he did was extremely powerful, got the president angry enough to be tweeting about it, and I also was reminded this week that it was a veteran that suggested that he kneel. He said, oh, that's more respectful than sitting because kneeling is what we do, you know, during funerals and... I'm literally making up words now. Color guard, <laughs> like army stuff. We kneel for respectful army things. But of course, you know, people are actually just making things up and talking out of their ass with their offense in the first place. So of course they like, you know, they found the kneeling disrespectful, <sighs> which is really interesting because if you think about it, standing is always more, let's say you stand up, old school used to stand up when a woman entered and left, but you would kneel and kiss the ring for the Pope? Boop. Curtsy to the Queen. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, Stephen Smith was on as kung 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 kung. That's literally what I heard. And then Kellerman, 
um, the co-host, who I don't have any familiarity with, I don't know if he brings in rap quotes and shit like Ari Melber, like, I don't know if he pretends to be down usually or whatever, but if this is really what he thinks, kudos to him, he was like, who cares if he wears a Kunta Kinte shirt? Was he not protesting, you know, Black Lives Matter, the police shootings, which are an offset of slavery, and was slavery not the original sin of our country? Um, he was like, you can't, it doesn't matter if you're wearing a Kunta Kinte shirt, which I agree with. Like, you're allowed to remind people of unpleasant things. Like, his afro, his giant afro is reminding people of things that I want to think about. His existence is, I don't care if he wears a cheeky shirt or not. You got to think about what Kunta Kinte makes you feel like. And if, and also he could have just been repping Kunta Kinte, who Alex Haley read his, you know, did his genealogical research before there was DNA testing kits. And he really was related to this person, even though I think he may have made up his name. So, like, whatever the fuck. It could be his lucky t-shirt. I'm sick of us trying to squeeze our blackness and who we are and the things we care about and make it, you know, put it in the background to make someone else feel comfortable. This whole thing, obviously Colin pa Kaepernick's brand is not making white people feel comfortable and not making the NFL feel comfortable, so whatever. But anyway, um, and after that, Kellerman just gave a balanced account of why there would, you know, makes a lot of sense there would be distrust on both sides and kind of broke that down. And... You know, of course, the internet was going off, and, like, of course, he got invites to the cookout. The cookout, the perpetual cook. Where do y'all live that is warm all year round? Invite him to Thanksgiving. Damn, why it always gotta be a cookout? Anyway, um, you know, I was impressed by what he said. I was impressed by his analysis. I was impressed by his nuance and that he, you know, if he genuinely believes that black people don't need to, like, make people feel comfortable, hide what they're really thinking, and that you know, this man is on equal play. They both want something from each other. I don't even know why Colin Kaepernick still wants to play. He really might not. That's the funny thing that everyone was like, and like they asked him. And now that I know that he was suspicious of why they asked, he might not even, it might not even have been his idea, but I feel like we should always act like we're on equal footing with our employees. Like there's no reason employers, there's no reason not to. You're only going to be able to get to do so much shit until they promote you or fire you. They can only say yes. We should always ask for what we want. People can only say yes or no. We got to stop, you know, humbling ourselves and then going out into the world. We got to stop, like, doubting and making ourselves smaller and limiting the things that we even think we could have before it comes up to that. So all that is to say, Kellerman really stood up for the idea that, yeah, Kaepernick has some things he's not willing to bend for. Neither entity trusts each other. And his. I think he specifically said it's not Colin Kaepernick's job to kowtow to the NBA. And so will I say that Stephen Smith the last week re-signed an $8 million contract to ESPN. So does he sell, is he selling his soul to say certain things, sort of, but also like as a black man, unfortunately you can't say certain things. Like it's always going to be more impactful when a white guy says it because A, people listen to them more and B, then you get to the points for being white and understanding some shit. So I was very impressed by Michael Kellerman, if that's is his name, Michael. Yeah. I was glad that he said what he said and it needed to be said because you always need that other side articulated and spoken out loud. However, I do want to make note of the optics and how it's not an even playing field where Stephen Smith could say the same thing with no con uh, consequences. 
because already on the articles I'm reading, the comments of people are coming for the black sports writers and calling them coons and niggers and this is why they said anything flattering about Kaepernick in the first place is because you just, you want to play the victim card and blah, blah, blah. Um, of course, the bitch is a victim. He was let go for protesting things. Like, that sucks. They were within their rights. Well, they weren't even within all their rights legally or they wouldn't have made a huge settlement with him. So anyway, I don't know what his end game was. Maybe he really genuinely did want to go back because even though, like I said, I don't really sports I don't I was listening to the read today and Kid Fury was like and Kid Fury and Crystal were like talking about athletes for Christ which is this group that Chick-fil-A used to support and Chick-fil-A recently came out and said that they were not going to support like two out of the 19 <laughs> homophobic organizations that they donate to anymore and uh you know Crystal was like Jesus does not care about your sports and blah 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 and I do think it's funny because I will always pit sports against acting and stuff because it's just like one is, they're both extracurriculars, theater and sports, right? They're both extracurriculars when you're in grade school. They're, and like one of them is treated like, we treat sports like it's this like, it is like almost a moralistic thing. It becomes like a discipline that you get all this respect for. And not even if you're super talented, just if you do it at all. And the idea of like that this these people's sports performances are like fueled by God. Whereas I think if I prayed, I was like, God, this was two days ago. I'm going in for the FBI agent with no name. Please imbue me saying kitchen's clear with all of the strength of Christ Lord. Like I think that people would think that was weird, but praying before you go do some football stuff is not, it's almost like there's a correlation between like how much money you're making and the huge national platform. And I guess how much God has blessed you. So then it's like how much you need to pray to keep it up. Something like that. I'm working it out as I go along. But anyway, um, that was basically all I wanted to say about that. Um, trying to review if I covered all the points. Boop, 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 boop. Yes. And also that I saw Colin Kaepernick walking down the street once in the West Village. I told him he was an inspiration. He is so fine. Ugh. Whenever his girlfriend and him decide to go their separate ways, I'll be here. I'm ready. Pick me. Pick me. Let it be me. Let it be me. Do you guys like Ray LaMontagna? Let it be me. Okay, so some fun shorter stories before we get on our merry way. There's an 82-year-old grandmother in Rochester who beat the assailant in a home invasion up so badly that he was sent out in an ambulance. 82 years old. She's an 82 year old power lifter and please Google the video excerpt of her recounting the tale of what happened because it's, in, it's incredible and I learned some new words. So first of all, she says, so he come in, you know, because I'm 82 and I'm old, but I'm strong. And then she shows her biceps, which are cut like Apparently, when you're 82, just you can be like have, you know, slight wrinkles in some areas, but then your arms can just be cut up, just taut, skin taut. I was like, oh, biceps popping. Okay. So she said, so then I took the table. I took the table and I'm beating him with it. I'm beating him with it. I'm beating him with it so hard. And, and guess what? I broke the table. So then I took the legs off the table. The legs was metal. 
And then I'm just jugging with him. Jugging. She said I'm jugging him with it. Is that a thing? Is that an old people? It's just I'm jugging him with him. Jugging him with it. I'm jugging him with it. I'm jugging him with it. And then, and then, oh, I was really, I went, really went to work on him. And then I stopped. Then I started jumping on him. Jumping on him. Jumping on him. Jumping on him. And then, then she said she went to the bathroom. At this point, like 911 was still on the phone listening. Went to the bathroom, got some baby shampoo, poured it in his eyes. And then, <laughs> she said, and then I was trying to pull him outside the door. The door was open, but he was too heavy. So eventually the police came and she said, and then the police came and they took and put him in the ambulance. And, oh, I know he was so glad to be in that ambulance. He was glad to get away from me. But yeah, I was just... I watched it at least a good three or four times. The image of an 82-year-old woman beating someone with a table so hard that the metal legs break off the table. Then beating him with that and then jumping on top of him. The balance, sis, the balance. Even that is a workout. I just, praise be, congratulations to her. Oh, I wish I remembered her name because it was something delightful and classically old sounding. Oh yeah, her name was Willa Murphy. Willa Murphy. It's probably Wilhelmina, but she goes by Willa Murphy. And she had a shirt on that said power lifting and a bandana. Like she was ready to work out at, she was probably about to work out honestly because she was, she, yeah, she's wearing a red bandana and a blue shirt that says power lifting. And she looks like Rosie the Riveter. And when I, you just have to look at a picture of her biceps. It's arresting. Smooth skin, skin is taut. But I just read more details. Apparently the guy broke in because he was knocking on the door and saying, I need an ambulance, I need an ambulance, I'm sick. And Willie, in her, um, in her right mind, she, she said, I called the police, but I wouldn't, she wouldn't let him in. So she did what you, what you should do, you know, like, you're 82, you're a woman, you live alone, you're not a nurse, you know, you don't, you don't have a tourniquet, like, what can I really do for you? Let me call the cops. But she said that's when she, he became angry and she heard him knocking or breaking the door down. So she hid as he walked through the door and she said, <laughs> yeah, she said, I picked up the table and I went to work on him. And when he's down, I'm jumping on him. But what's the jug in him? Oh, they don't have, they don't have the word jugging him in the transcription, unfortunately. You'll have to watch the video for that. But congratulations to Miss Willie. And, you know, it's never too late for Caltrate. That's what I've learned. It's never too late to get back in shape. And that's inspirational. The breaking in thing, I don't really want to think about. I live in this kind of zone where I, I don't think that's going to happen. Like, I just... It's as much law and order as for you as I watch. I have to live in a space where I think, oh, that's make-believe. That's not going to happen to me because otherwise I'll be up all night all the time. Clayton Bigsby, I mean Kanye West, uh, was seen leaving the house wearing a Confederate flag jacket. It was a big Confederate flag on the armband of his army jacket. <sighs> I mean, I'm not going to say I'm surprised, to be honest. Like, I would be totally, completely lying to you if I said I was surprised. That's where all of this uh, cosplay was heading. 
So his statement about it was, react how you want. The Confederate flag is based on slavery. At least that's my abstract take on it from what I heard. Again! I know maybe I'm getting sidetracked and this is not the actual thing I should be mad about, but I don't like Kanye is never sure of facts. He's not sure of facts. Like, I guess this doesn't make him any different than a regular hotep or something, but why does he talk about things like what the Confederate flag stood for as if it's fringe knowledge that he came up with himself? You can quite literally look it up in a book. I don't understand. I don't understand. So he did say that he's reclaiming the symbol. He's taking it back, you know, because like I wrote new slave. So I'm taking it back to mean something else. I am tickled by everything about this because it's that thing of last week you told us you were unquestionably the greatest artist of all time. And part of you being an unquestionably amazing artist is that you have to explain to us the meaning behind the things that you are doing. And I think that's kind of funny. And I think that if your sim symbolism and your gestural language and your performance art was that great, it would stand on its own and you wouldn't have to be like, oh, oh, hey, hey, I know you was going to ask me about what I was doing. So this is what this means. Like, you don't, I just... It's like you are, you're so thirsty. You're extremely, extremely thirsty at the same time as you pretend to feel vilified by the media and stuff. You are obsessed with them. You think they're obsessed with you, but you're obsessed with them. Honestly, I feel like you could go away for a while and the media would respond and leave you alone. The other thing that I thought was funny about this was not that I ever want to credit Kanye with any kind of good idea at all, but... What if a bunch of black people started wearing um, Confederate flags? Would it be like, apparently that was an urban legend that Tommy Hilfiger said that black people were ruining the brand by embracing it. But I know people have said stuff like that behind the scenes of places. I think I've heard that about Mark Jacobs. Not that like rappers rep it, but I know things can become like plebeian and lose their sim, like lose their exclusiveness. I think Burberry, that was a thing too. So... What if black people just did start wearing Confederate flags everywhere? Would white people be like, that's right, you're brilliant, the way they do about these horrible Trump music videos, These some of these dumb bitches. One of them was black. The other, <laughs> I actually should talk about that. The other girl did this horrible flow. She was like, Donald Trump is the best because he is so cool. And, see, I can't even do it offbeat, I'm trying, but... And that was really bad. And then there's this other black girl on YouTube that I saw last night or yesterday, maybe during the day. And she said, so what he wants to build a wall, the Berlin Wall, the Great Wall of China, ma'am, ma'am, the Berlin Wall. <laughs> I don't <laughs> what's going on. What's going on with the youth education? And so the comments underneath, million, there are millions of views, so there's like thousands of comments. She's smart. She has a great head on her shoulders. No. That's the opposite of what she has. She doesn't have that. Anyway, Kanye West. Yeah, so if all, if the black people started repping 
Confederate flags and waving them at like Black Lives Matter marches and stuff as we kneeled. That might be hilarious, actually. Who would it anger and who would just be like, see, they finally come to their senses. Yeah, we can all be friends. We just want y'all to stay on your side of the line and us on ours. Or would they just be mad? I think I'm interested, but obviously Kanye is not doing it for any like grander trolling of white people. He's doing it to troll black people. He's obsessed with trolling us. It's really frustrating because we didn't ask for all that. And the other thing I think is funny is that he does things that his wife, white wife, like she can't be near you. Like she can't leave the house with you while you're wearing that because she's endorsing it. If she does, you make life so difficult for Kim. It's really hilarious. Lastly, he was on that. She needs to wear more modest clothes thing. So she started wearing skin tight things with slits up the leg or even skin cutouts at like the hip bone, but her neck is covered up. I would just like to make a PSA announcement that that's not modest. Evelyn Lozada of Basketball Wives revealed on Instagram earlier this week that she is getting baptized again. She is rededicating her life to Christ. The first time she did it was in 2013 after a split with Chad Ocho Cinco Seis. And she just felt like it was time again now. I did not hear her say that this change was at all related to the horrible, disgusting manner in which she treated Oji, who was the new Nigerian addition to Basketball Wives, the first ever very dark-skinned woman with West African features to be on the show, who was called ugly repeatedly by the ladies, and who was suing Evelyn because Evelyn sent her text messages referring to her as a gorilla, like with a gorilla emoji, or I don't, there's not a gorilla emoji, a monkey. So she didn't mention any of that. It's not because of that. It's not because she literally grabbed her vagina on the show in an argument with OG and said, oh yeah, no, he got some of this. Did he get some of this good pussy? Who told women that their pussy is good? Like who, men like wet, warm spaces. It could be a stick of butter. I don't know. We have to stop telling each other that like my pussy is better than this pussy. He's still going to cheat on you. Moving on. Not to be cynical, I just don't, I don't think. I've never heard any man say I stayed with a woman because the sex was, because her vagina was a certain temperature that was amazing. Never heard it said. Never heard it said. Um, but I have heard Beyonce and Halle Berry got cheated on. So, <clears throat> just saying. Anyway, I'm obviously being very sarcastic. I think the timing of this has to do with the fact that she has this lawsuit and that she was very unkind to OG. It's a distraction. It's literally a way to get speaking engagements and go around and talk about something else. However, here's where the extra bullshit comes in. She said that she feels like she will be able to inspire young girls, young women, to be able to just really love themselves and really honor themselves. How? Because you're teaching them baptism is an eraser. It's something you do every, you know, Monday, like a new diet. <laughs> I don't. I thought baptism was you just did it once and then you're, I was raised Catholic. So with, with confession, you literally go confess and you're supposed to have a clean slate of sin. Like 
It is absolving you from your sins. You can start over again sinning the next day. You go back to confession at the end of the week. Cha-ching! Recharge your batteries. Start over. End the last level. Get five new lives. I didn't know baptism was like that. But the funny part about this is instead of telling us, you guys know my issues with the way people practice Christianity already. Instead of telling us, I'm going to volunteer at the soup kitchen every Sunday. I decide to foster a kitten. A kitten in Christ. I decide to foster a child. I'm going to be an after-school hall monitor for kids in troubled schools. I'm going to donate this money here. I'm going to go on Master Chef and play for a charity. The thing that she is doing to dedicate her life to Christ is abstaining from premarital sex at 43 years old and two children. One of them who's 26. You've been fucking a whole lifetime, ma'am. You've fucked enough for all of us. Can you really be abstinent from sex? What's the point? If you've already had sex with all of the people there are, does it count? <laughs> I'm only slut-shaming to be fun. Like, I don't believe, you know, I don't believe in slut-shaming. But my point is that if there's anyone that's probably slept with a lot of people, it's her because she is a woman that made her money from dating athletes exclusively, being with athletes. And that's fine. But then for you at 43, after you are on a big TV show about being a basketball wife, even though you never even fully got married to anyone, I believe her first child was with her ex-fiance. And then was she married to Chad Ochocinco or was she just dating him? I don't even know if she's ever actually been married so you're arbitrarily deciding to give up premarital sex because that is the most important part of you dedicating your life to Christ. You have two kids out of wedlock, you're 43 years old, and you are now not going to have sex until the next baller proposes to you, so like six months. I don't get it. I'm just so annoyed with the way that sex factors in as some sort of virtue that God cares about the most. There's nothing in here about doing anything for anyone else. She said something was missing. It was on my heart to get baptized. She said, I'm done with premarital sex. I want to remain celibate till marriage. I felt like in previous relationships, I lost a piece of me every time I had sex. Whether they're interested in me or not with what my journey is, if they're not with it, then I feel like it kind of clears out the BS. So that's what I want for my life. It's sound dating practice to not have sex with a bunch of different people you're dating. Why? Because it helps you think more clearly. It's hard to go out with the slower paced, bookish, responsible dude when you're getting your back blown out by the bad boy. You just, you could end up falling in love with a booty call over someone who really is the one who's good for you, you know, just because you, that's, you associate more endorphins and dopamine and fun time with the, with the bad dude. So it's just good dating practice. Like common sense could tell you not to sleep with everyone right away before you know if they're interested in you or not because you just can't control the outcome. You might feel bad afterwards. Has nothing to do with what's moral. It has nothing to do with being born again. I mean, it does, but I'm saying you could make this decision just as a sensible way of dating. You don't have to announce it to the world. I'm so sick of women talking about what they're having sex with or not having sex with to the world is if it's supposed to make me respect you. And the fact that she thinks that she's a role model to girls because she became baptized, born again for the second time 
at 43 is absurd. I'm going to need you to go sit down somewhere. I haven't heard you apologize to OG yet. I haven't heard anything that it would constitute a real reflection about your actual problematic behaviors. The one behavior I don't have problems with is you being a gold digger. Go get the bag, sis. Continue to get the bag. You were on a Yanla a couple years ago, too. I'm assuming you didn't follow up with her because I don't think anything's changed. So I hope you stop flitting around for partial solutions and sit down and do the real therapy that you need to do. It needs to happen. And that's all I have to say. But just stop. Just stop talking about sex out of its name. I'm, I'm done with y'all doing this. It's so weird. It's so annoying. Nobody cares who you sleep with. You're 43 fucking years old. Good night. Guys, thank you so much for sticking with me through the 50th episode of Cake and Kombucha. And I forgot to mention at the beginning, if you don't recognize what that parody uh, song is from, I made it up because of those delightful handwritten notes in Sharpie that the president released or his team released that said, I want nothing. I want nothing. No quid pro quo. In case you're wondering if Donald Trump is a type of illiterate person that writes in all caps locks for his comments on the internet, he definitely is. That was in all caps. And, you know, I guess this is supposed to show us that if someone doesn't say, hey, I'm bribing you, then it didn't happen or something like that. It's utterly ridiculous. I don't even know where to start. But anyway, check those notes out. They're circulating the internet. It's pretty hilarious. And don't forget to subscribe to Cake and Kombucha and rate and review. I had a little bit of technical difficulties this episode, of course. The 50 is the magic number. And I sound like a frog, but I love you guys anyway. And I hope you love me. All right, I'll catch you next week. Cake and Kombucha is produced and hosted by actress, writer, and singer Kilechi Azia. It features music by the talented Melanie J.B. Charles. If you like what you hear, check out MelanieJBCharles.com.